Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, I didn't have a copper mug or a lime slice. So it's basically just uh, Russian Standard Vodka, um, Trader Joe's Ginger Beer, and, um, and lime juice and ice. As you would say. Mm. I would say that. You would say that. All right. Well, let's get, this, uh, let's get this kicked off because we actually have more to do in this spoiler cast than, than I thought we would. Hi, I'm Jonathan. Hi, I'm Jack. And we are Glib Sharks minus Lauren. And today we are going to do a super tiny spoiler cast for Ant-Man. Ha, ha, ha. But also, we're going to talk a little bit about BoJack Horseman. So we're going to spend like like eight minutes on each and see what happens. Ooh, mini spoiler cast. Just bite-sized. Like, just fits yes. in your pocket. So, Jack, uh, before I get into what I thought of Ant-Man, what did you think of Ant-Man? I thought it was the perfect sort of after of Avengers kind of movie. You can't keep going bigger and badder and trying to uh, empty the scales all the time. I think this is a nice change in tone. You had a combination of a heist film and a redemption film, which is really kind of about fathers and daughters. And I thought that was really cool. So well-crossed across the board, funny in the parts need to be funny. Was it the best uh, uh, Marvel movie? I'd put it in the middle of the pack, but it's still enjoyable by any stretch of the imagination. I put it on par with... I'm going to say better than Iron Man 2, maybe on the same level as the first Captain America. That's really where, about where I would put it. I have a, a four-tier Marvel grading system. Right now, sitting on the top are Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers 1, and uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. Right under it are the original Iron Man, Thor 2, and Avengers Age of Ultron. Right under that is Thor 1, Cap 1, Iron Man 3, which has actually come up from D tier to join the C tier, and now Ant-Man. And down there in the D tier is Hulk and Iron Man 2. Yeah. And this is one of those movies where you kind of knew that Marvel was due for something. And you figure Ant-Man would be kind of the moment where they stumble, if anything. And the stumble isn't that far, surprisingly. I thought it was a very solid movie, very well acted, all the characters there. And I thought it was kind of laugh out loud funny in some moments. It was, for me, extremely slow to start. That first act was just, it was boring. It really was for me. Like, I, I could see they were trying to make jokes. It was sort of like being a robot who's not quite programmed to be funny but recognizes humor. And, yes, I am not an internet robot. No, we had her on two weeks ago. Yes. I'm also not an internet spam bot. Hopefully we're going to have the person, Spambot on. Hopefully the person who was on those inside jokes is listening, but we'll see. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> I was sitting there going, they are making jokes. I'm not laughing. This is strange. There was actually one in particular that Scott Lang dropped, and it was just like, ah, oh, that, was, that was bad. And I can't even remember what it was. 
Yeah. Well, terrible jokes. I it, I did notice it was kind of slow in, in the in the beginning. And yeah, it took a while I, to pick up. And I I mentioned this in the Comic Book Alliance thread, and I think what happened was the first act was the biggest casualty of the changeover from Edgar Wright and Cornish, the writer, to the new regime, Peyton Reed and Paul Rudd and those guys who came in, or, and actually uh, Adam McKay, who came in and doctored the script and made the new Ant-Man. I, I think the first act was the biggest casualty. And honestly, I was, I was in a spot where I just thought the rest of the movie was going to be bad. Because then they, they did the training montage, and it's like, okay, I guess this is kind of cool. The, the effects of the shrinking and everything was very cool. And yeah. this was actually the first Marvel movie since the original Avengers where I took note of the 3D. Like, the 3D, I think, was very helpful. Oh, so you did see it in the 3D? I did see it in IMAX 3D, yes. Okay. And that, those parts were really cool. Yeah, I'm glad I saw it in 3D, all things considered. Uh, uh, let's talk about that fight scene. Well, yeah, and actually that was going to be what I was what really turned the movie for me was when they were doing the drop and they're they're going over the drop zone where Hank Pym was like, "Oh, this is an old facility that Stark used." And lo and behold, it's the brand new Avengers base. I started laughing hysterically as soon as I saw that. I'm like, "Oh man, that's awesome." And then when he was like, "Somebody's home." I'm like, "Okay, who is it going to be? Is it going to be Vision?" Is it going to be Scarlet Witch? And it was motherfucking Falcon. And I thought that fight was brilliant. Everything about it was so cool. It was one of the most awesome things I've seen in the Marvel Universe so far. And it's kind of cool because it's sort of a superhero trope where the, the heroes meet each other for the first time. They inevitably fight. But it was funny. And I, I love that, you know, he's sort of apologetic and he doesn't want to fight him. But, like, they have to go at it. And, uh... And I think Falcon was the perfect person to play off of. I think anyone else, it wouldn't have been as... It, it had to be the Falcon. Well, someone pointed out that the Falcon actually had an advantage that everyone except the Vision probably wouldn't have enjoyed. And that was the ability to see Scott Lang right. when he was small because of, the, because of his tech. Captain America wouldn't have been able to see him. He would have... When he did see him, he would have kicked his ass. But... Scott Lang, I think they did a really good job playing up how clever and capable he is before he ever put on the suit. And yeah, especially with that, the whole breaking into the Hank Pym's house in the right. beginning, the whole resourceful thing, like the MacGyvering that like the safe mechanisms. Yes. And so that was that was very cool. And and you're right. I think it was a very good opponent for him because now I, I think it, it did two things. One, it was probably the most fair and the most interesting fight. Because Scarlet Witch would have just been like, nah, 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 like voodooed him and then he, he would have been caught. Right. But with Falcon, there was, there was all sorts of dynamics. I mean, none of those guys can fly except Vision. And I think, again, Vision would have been the most overpowered opponent for Scott Lang. But I, like, Falcon was absolutely perfect. Yeah, yeah. And that was just the, the probably best moment of the film. I thought across the board everything was, uh, like I said, well cast. I, I don't know if you noticed or not, but... Um, Corey Stoll, of course, uh, played the uh, the villain Yellow Jacket, and uh, he played also in the first season of House of Cards, Peter Russo. So, yes, what's the first yes. thing he does to establish he's a villain? He shrinks and kills a guy named Frank. Yeah, yeah. I didn't actually notice that, but now it makes sense. And one thing about Yellow Jacket was, and I and I agree to a point. They really didn't do a great job of fleshing out his motivations beyond. 
he was pissed at, at Hank Pym and he was being affected by his faux Pym particles. And they, they kind of hung a lantern on it. And then all of a sudden he's selling stuff to Hydra. And yeah. it was just kind of like, okay, you're, you're telling me he's bad. I, I see that he's bad. He's doing bad shit. But he's just not an interesting villain. He is not on the level of someone like Loki, obviously. Sure. Or even someone like, like uh, Grillo. Frank Grillo? Oh, sure. Uh, Crossbones. Crossbones. Crossbones was a way more interesting villain. Uh, with a Winter Soldier, Bucky, w- again, super interesting bec- yeah, because of I he mean, was multi-layered. He's kind of a low-rent Obadiah stain. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, nevertheless, I, did, like, I mean, it, it, the origin movies tend to have to have like one of those weaker villains. And usually when the second one comes around, if they make a second Ant-Man or whatever, they'll bring in somebody who parallels the character a lot better. I think not only will they make a, set, a second Ant-Man, it's a stealth Wasp movie. I would think so. Yeah, because they, they set it up in that, uh, that after credit scene. I went nuts. Like when you because you, you kind of got the impression that Hank Pym's deal was because Janet Van Dyne, uh, Von Dyne had died. And then when you got that flashback where they're both doing and she's doing the wasp thing and she looks exactly like she would out of the comics doing yeah. that stuff. I, I was just like, oh, my God, that's great. And then the reveal at the end with uh, with Hope Van Dyne and the new wasp suit. Uh, super cool. I think one of the reasons why also go, kind of going back to Falcon is that Falcon worked in that movie really well was because it directly ties into Civil War. Yeah. Yeah. The second uh Cutscene, of course, and the whole like back and forth, and you know, even like Ant Man's sidekick buddies. I thought they were kind of funny. At oh, times. yeah. Michael Pena was was phenomenal. I loved that. I loved that. Not only did he have the best flashback sequences, like the I know a guy who knows a guy. Yeah. But also, it starts out with him with wine, and either at brunch with wine or like at an art museum at mine with wine. Just doing something that you wouldn't expect a guy like that to do. And that was fantastic as well. Yeah, it's very Orange is the New Black. Yeah. 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 And but, on that uh, note, I guess we got like a few minutes to talk about BoJack Horseman. Yeah, so let's talk about BoJack Horseman. I finished the series today. Oh. Or the season today. What'd you think, dude? Dude. Like, it was already kind of a rainy, miserable day. And I was already kind of in a mood because I was late for work. And it was just it, it was just gray and dull and, and just really sad. And then I saw the episode where Bojack Horseman goes back to goes goes to New Mexico mm-hmm. to catch up with what was her name? Courtney? Charlotte. Charlotte, that's right. His dear friend. His dear friend. And then that whole thing. Right. Oh man. <laughs> that was for those who don't know, and we, like I said, we are spoiling Bojack Horseman. There's a moment where Bojack is seconds away from sleeping with Charlotte's daughter. Who's 17. Who's 17. Which is the age of consent in, in New Mexico. Well, so. right, but it, it's still fucked up. Like, yeah, it is, because he's like 50. was fucked up. And that's the thing. Like, Bojack gives you just enough sunshine to keep watching, I feel like. It is one of the best shows about depression ever made. And it's, on the surface, it's about celebrity, but really it's about, like, just how a person who cannot help but feel, like, just sort of sad all the time. It's not just him being moping around. It's him lashing out and being angry and being and, smart and, and incisive. And he's destructive. Yeah. And you see shadows of, you know, a good person, glimmers of a good person, an interesting person. But then he fucks it up for himself all the time. Let's bring in Oboe real quick. I, I don't know that she'll have a lot to say about Bojack, but uh, at least we can get her... 
get her on and, uh, and get the show started right away. Yeah, no problem. While you're doing that, I will uh, address the audience, whoever's listening, about the what I thought about BoJack Horseman. A great show. One of the greatest shows about depression of all time. Oh, um, well, Diane's self-destruction, though, yes. so great. It, that, was, that was unexpected because you'd expect Diane to be a little bit more grounded, and, and, and it didn't work out that way. She had just as many problems as BoJack did, and it was from her success as an author that, that all of that kind of came from. And it affected her marriage, it affected her job, and it almost affected like her life. And that yeah. was that was bad. Yeah. Uh, you have control of the call, so you yeah. have to bring in. Oh, oh that's right. Duh. Hang on. You keep talking while I'm jumping over in. And and the series it, it starts with I, I love the running joke of what are you doing here? And it starts off so silly because Bojack is trying this new attitude and it keeps him from from emoting. So he's always going back to the horse, horse and round thing and going, ah, what are you doing here? And it's not until shit starts getting real and starts getting bad that he actually starts, it goes from, hey, what are you doing here? It's like, oh, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And, and through the whole uh, season, it's that downward spiral of happy, 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 sad, 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 uh, a little bit of acceptance at the end. Yeah, and even Mr. Peanut Butter got some growth this year and got fleshed out, not just a one-note, happy-all-the-time character. He got a little dark, and that was really interesting. And so, that's a sentence I never expect to hear when you first walk into a room. Even Mr. Peanut Butter had some growth this year. Yeah, <clears throat> and we caught us in the middle of the spoiler cast for uh, BoJack Horseman. Have you seen uh, it yet, Lauren? I have not. Okay, then maybe we should... Cease the spoiling oh, and just so say... I guess what we can end it on is what you thought of the season. I thought it was a big improvement over the first season, whereas the first season, the first couple of episodes kind of didn't hook me in. It took me a little longer. I was hooked in at episode one. Yeah, I, I agree. I and I thought it stayed dark for a while. I would not recommend marathoning this show just because I'd be afraid of if I did that way, I would have slipped my wrist and been done. And things are going happy in my life. But it just has that kind of effect on you. So be careful. Don't don't abuse Bojack Horseman. And I think it's probably a good idea we avoided talking about the new Rooster Teeth site build because we don't really know what it is yet. No, oh, it's gonna I, take a couple I think days. I did want to pick. talk about it. Oh man, uh, I I haven't even been on it today because it's all it's gonna be is this doesn't work or that isn't working right and like you know give them give them a day or two. Yeah, I like that all the mod points are back the way they were. That's kind of cool. Okay, like, with the plus one zing and plus one ditto and all that. Ant-Man, and then I gotta go. Ah, yes. On to the okay. Ant-Man spoilers. So, let's go back to Falcon, which before I really was gonna just totally avoid talking about Ant-Man because you'd brought up the Falcon, and I was just gonna stick with uh, Captain America and the Avengers. But yeah, he is very quickly becoming my next favorite Avenger, and as much as uh, people have been joking, well, you just, you just like superheroes that have bird names because, you know, Hawkeye. No! What I really, really enjoy are superheroes that have absolutely no superpowers. They're just super well-trained and funny. And I, uh, the more I see of the movie version of Falcon and the more I see of, of Sam Wilson, that character, the more I really, really like him. And I can't wait to see him have a bigger role in the Avengers. And there, there was something you else I was going to bring up about uh, about Ant Man, and and it, when we started talking about Antony and our empathy for ants, it kind of it kind of reminded me that that was really sad. Yeah, yeah. 
I know. I wanted to. I didn't want to spoil anything, which is why I didn't really say with anything. With a little but... bit of acting and some CGI, they made you care about a flying ant. Yes. Yep. Yep. And it was sudden, too. Like, I remember when at that moment when he points the gun out of the helicopter, what went through my mind is, yeah, right. Like, he's going to be able to hit anything, you know, like he's going to be able to hit a flying ant at distance. And then, of course, of course, he hits Antony. Why not? Because because, because the hero has to have something to fight for. And I was... now if he becomes an Avenger, he has someone to avenge. There you yes. go. Oh, God. I when they I loved the line when Scott Lang was like, so is anyone talking about the fact that I fought an Avenger and didn't die? <laughs> yeah. And uh, part of me wanted to go, well, I mean, it was just Falcon. I mean, come on. It, was, it wasn't like you fought like Hulk or, or Captain America or, or something like that. And that but that was, the, that was the shitty part of me because, no, Cap, like, like Sam Wilson has definitely earned his A. Yeah. You're going to eat those words when they do the Falcon Hawkeye buddy movie. So, I, okay. I, I would totally thinking, be up for that. I okay, would so, so be up Oma, for that. I wanted to tell, tell you this specifically because it's really shitty. So, I, <laughs> yeah, I so I was thinking about like the new Avengers lineup and how like the old Avengers was Iron Man and Captain America and Thor and Hulk and Hawkeye and and Black, and Widow. Black Widow. And then the new one is like Scarlet Witch and Vision and War Machine and and Falcon and all those guys. And I was just thinking, like, what if you were at a career fair at your school? Because whenever they did this shit, it was really disappointing. And they're like, radio personality. And it's the guy from, like, the soft rock station at, the, it's their night guy. So it's no one you've heard of. And I remember we had a professional athlete come. And we're like, oh, yeah, maybe it's one of the Spurs. Nah, it was some dude who did karate professionally. He was technically a professional athlete. So imagine the disappointment of the school kids when they're like, oh, we're having an Avenger show up. Yay, it's Hawkeye. Oh. So here's the thing. And this is the reason that <laughs> I... Yeah, fuck you. This is the reason <laughs> that I gravitate towards those superheroes. Because you know what? You want Hawkeye to show up, or you want Falcon to show up, or you want War Machine to show up. Why? Because they're the most attainable. Because they're not just the most attainable. They're the only ones who are attainable. Who else is going to get themselves irradiated with, um, with the right radiation, or get bitten by a radioactive spider, or you know, have have uh, serum injected into them or, you know, all the myriad of other random stuff that happens or be an Asgardian god, you know. Yeah. None of those things are things that can happen. They're not going to happen. Even in the world of the Avengers and Marvel, it is just not going to happen. But you know what? If you work at something and you train and you are good enough, that doesn't matter. You don't have to be lucky you can work hard. And I think those are the, and that's why I gravitate towards those su superheroes. That's oh, why yeah. I, I really, I've, that's why Falcon, you know, here he is fighting a guy who has, you know, what, what, no, you know, Scott Lang doesn't have any inherent powers of his own, but the stuff that he gets through the pin particles is pretty outrageous. And he, what does Sam Wilson have? He's got some pretty cool wings and that are mechanical that can be broken and his training yeah. and he still manages to you know Scott Lang gets out of there and is happy that he's just not dead but you know what from a security standpoint I'd rather have those guys show up too because I mean Hawkeye who's going to show up those three mushing gangsters in, in tracksuits 
Who is the Falcon's arch enemy? Exactly. Uh, in the comics. Oh God. I yeah. Don't know but I'm saying, like, even that. I read comics. I couldn't tell you who the Falcon's arch enemy is. Um, as for Ant Man, like, like he always shrink, and then the battle happens, like you know, on your yard or like it, like a, on on a micro machines track. So it's cool. We get to hang out with people who are Avengers and get to save the world, but they're not bringing the Red Skull or the Iron Monger or or Loki to your do- doorstep either. I would also uh, like to remind you all that in the fight in where um, in Age of Ultron, in the fight that included not just fighting against Ultron, but when Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch were still fighting them, that the only person to come out of it, not only unscathed, but completely with his wits about him was Hawkeye. True. No one's saying Hawkeye's not cool. I'm just saying he's a safe choice for a recruiter fair, safer than Captain America. I don't know. My my I have this awful feeling about Civil War that knowing what has happened to Laura Barton and those kids in the version of the the comic history. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. My gut is that um, I I thought they were going to buy it there. No. Well, I was afraid they were going to die. I was really glad that they did not. I was afraid Hawkeye was going to die, honestly. Mm. Although I I knew that Jeremy Renner was signed up for Civil War and and Infinity War. So in a way, I I knew that wasn't going to happen. No, what I am afraid is going to happen is Civil War is going to happen and Hawkeye is going to side with Captain America because, you know, hell, he has a family to protect and he has he needs to stay off the radar and then one of the tragedies that's going to happen is, no, his his name and his likeness and his face are going to get out there and people are going to track to the house that he's kept hidden and kill his family. And on a on one level, I don't want that to happen because I like the fact that he is just a normal in, in the end. He's just a normal guy who has a very personal reason to fight. And the other reason I don't like it is because, you know, Laura Barton already got a lot of flack for being a quote unquote, just a housewife in age of Ultron, which I think sucks because you know what? There's nothing wrong with, with being, and she wasn't more than just a housewife. She's running that entire farm by herself, essentially. And she's a businessman owner. Basically she, she, even if she's a housewife, let's, let's, let's pretend for a second that, that it's true that she is a housewife. She's fucking Hawkeye's housewife. She and you has know what? to deal with the fact that he is off avenging. And she, she knows. She's keenly aware of the advantages and disadvantages of, of Hawkeye and his avenging. She is yeah. keenly aware. She is the most aware of his weaknesses. Yeah. And you know what? That movie, I think, showed, yes, there could have been more of strong women in that movie. But here's, here's what you got out of Age of Ultron as far as women in that movie. You got uh, Black Widow, who got to be a, an ass-kicking superhero. You got uh, Maria Hill, who was a badass administrator and also some, you know, was an organizer and a planner and woman behind the scenes. You got, I don't remember the scientist's name. You got... An, oh, uh, uh, Helen Cho? Yeah, you got a brilliant scientist who was important enough for the bad guy to go and and, you know, take over her mind. And then you got Laura Barton, who, you know what, the quote-unquote just a housewife? Fuck you! Who says that isn't an important thing? So I think you got a gambit of women's roles in that movie, and but the cliche as being quote-unquote just a housewife is she is 
used as a plot device and an object. And I'm afraid that her and the, the kids are going to be used as to, they're going to be fridged. Yeah, that they're going to be fridged. That's what I'm afraid of. Oh, women in refrigerators. <laughs> well, and, and she like literally in the comics, that's what she and the kids are. They are. They are a reason for Clint Barton to have joined S.H.I.E.L.D. and to be the, you know, like of all of the versions of Hawkeye that are out there, I actually like that one the least because he's an angry, bitter, crabby guy. And, and there's I would, none of the humor and the lightness and the, 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 the circus boy in him. And I would hope that they would avoid the thing that comics does a lot where it's basically like killing off a woman for shock value so that the hero feels agency, using them as that kind of plot device. I think it's yeah. disrespectful to women and it's disrespectful to people in general. And I think it's lazy storytelling. And I think I think it is valid when it comes to Civil War for Clint Barton to stand there and say, no, I need to have a secret identity and you can't just have me registered and everyone know who I am because I have family to protect. I, I think that is a completely legitimate thing for him to say in order to side with Cap. I, I don't want them to then prove the point with his I family. Mean, but how secret is identity, though? I mean, everyone in the world seems to be aware of the Avengers. I mean... Do they know who's in the Avengers aside from the big four? I mean, I would imagine that they know there's Hawkeye. I mean, all you see is a guy with sunglasses. It's hardly a disguise. Yeah, but maybe. OK, I could definitely. We don't know anything in the Marvel Universe about who knows what. Right. About that. Um, when the the info dump happened from Winter Soldier, um, the only thing we know for sure is that Black Widow put her own information out there. We don't know anything about. Uh, whether she held back stuff, whether she, you know, deleted stuff before she put stuff out there. We don't we we don't know. So, you know, we'll have to find out. But I want to go back to Ant-Man. Sure. That, that was my so that that's my slight Hawkeye rant into Sam, why I'm really loving Sam Wilson. And I think he's a fun character and I think he's a great addition. And no, it's not bird people. It's normal people. I like normal people <laughs> You know, and anyone who wants to argue with me then has to argue against Batman. Birds aren't bats. <laughs> bats well, aren't birds. But I'm going to say if, if you're going to go, well, there shouldn't be a normal person, you know. But how many people are out there arguing that Batman is the most powerful uh, person in the Justice League when he has no powers? So yeah, there you go. That uh, might. I, the other thing I wanted to talk about last week uh, that I got spoiled on uh, was the Garrett Morris cameo. What was his cameo again? Okay, so... I must have missed it. It was a blink and you miss it. But, um... So there's the part in where Scott Lang falls out of the window and lands on the... Oh, the yeah, roof, yeah, yeah. And there's yeah. the oh, cabbie yeah, in there yeah. and he stops and he's like, what the hell? So that was Garrett Morris. Who played Ant-Man in the 70s who, on SNL. Yes, there is a very famous Saturday Night Live sketch that is actually kind of hard to find because those episodes are ending up on Hulu. And so Hulu is taking down all of the YouTube videos. Um, but it is, we're talking original Saturday Night Live cast of like John Belushi and um, I've just lost everybody else, but original uh, cast of Saturday Night Live. And they're all at the sketches. It's a superhero party. And so it's all the superheroes are showing up and just hanging out. And of course it's superheroes in the sense that if you're a geek, you're going to be like, there's no way Ant-Man and the Hulk would hang out with Superman because one's Marvel and one's DC, uh, but it's, you know, who cares? Um, 
so the part of the the sketch that's amazing is at one point they're like, who are you? And, and Garrett Morris is playing Ant-Man. And he's like, I'm Ant-Man. I can shrink to the size of an ant, but still retain my human strength. And the Hulk, who is played by John Belushi and being an asshole, says, oh, look at this guy. He can he can retain the powers of a human. <laughs> and like they're making fun of him. And it's it's absolutely perfect because that's. Like if you're gonna disparage Ant Man, that's that's how you disparage him. Oh, you can he's kids. He's just a guy who has the power of a human. Well, um, I'd be interested to see who came first, Ant Man or the Atom. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. Because there's always but a so, pattern of like DC and. But go ahead. I'm sorry. You know, I was gonna say. So last week I talked about how I was spoiled on two cameos for for Ant Man, but it made me more excited to see the movie and Falcon. And Garrett Morris were the two things. Falcon was in the uh, one of the trailers. And then I listened to this other podcast called uh, Geek Show Podcast. And they've been talking about the, the Garrett Morris being Ant-Man for a year and a half now, ever since they announced that they're making an Ant-Man movie. Um, and then the, the guy who's the movie reviewer on the show got to do the, the press junket. And I made the mistake of listening to his interviews with the the cast and, and creators of Ant-Man before seeing the movie. Uh, and the mistake was because I, I like his reviews and his interviews because he doesn't ask the same boring questions. He asks really interesting, fun things. And the first thing he asked the director was how long into the process did you know you wanted to get Garrett Morris? And as soon as those words came out of his mouth, I went, God damn it. So, so I knew it was coming. I knew he was in there somewhere. I didn't know how, but I was so happy to see him. And it, I think that was probably my favorite. Like I, I even know it was coming. It still made me laugh. Hmm. Oh man. I was just thinking about Eric O'Grady, the, uh, the third Ant-Man, the irredeemable one created by Robert, Robert Kirkman. And I was thinking that this Scott Lang has some Eric O'Grady elements to him. Not too many. But just hints here and there, kind of like how they combined like uh, Tim Drake and um, what's his name, Jason Todd, into the the second Robin that we saw in the animated series. That could be interesting. Yeah, I could see some irredeemable elements to him. Hmm. Even the bathtub thing, I think, it was a non too irredeemable. Okay, and then there were two other things I wanted to talk about real quick. Um, I had two very small problems with this movie. Okay. Uh, two science moments that pulled me out and I know I'm supposed to suspend my disbelief. And for the most part, I think the movie did an excellent job, but there were two moments and where I, I, I had a moment and where I was, a, I was a nerd instead of a geek one. Uh, so they have this awesome moment in where they unshrink a tank and then escape the building in a tank, which was amazing and awesome. And then they don't think to use the tank to shoot down the, uh, the helicopter that's flying away with the the thing that's going to ruin the world. We don't know that the tank is in operate like the weapons are operation. Maybe it's like an escape device that he kept in a keychain. You know, right. It might be I don't know tank. that he would have kept live tank ammo, even small live tank ammo in the uh, in that in, on his keychain. But as soon as he saw it, and given the history, I'm like, that's a real fucking tank. No, that, that that's a real tank. I'll give him credit. That caught me totally by surprise. As soon as he said, you know, this is not just a keychain. I, I was like, oh, shit, no. And so that was that was totally cool. Um, so the other thing, and I'm, I'm ashamed to even go here, um, as awesome as the giant ant that turns into the family pet is, um, the reason that giant ants don't work is because their legs are not 
um, strong enough to hold up their body weight at that size. That's their why exo- you can't have- Yeah, their exoskeleton doesn't have the density to hold that much weight. Yeah, so that doesn't realistically work. But I think the suspension disbelief thing dictates that, like, this isn't like an ant that's a huge size normally. It's an ant where the atoms, the space between the atoms is, is increased, right? So... I know, but that still... It, it still yeah. doesn't work. It's, it's it not doesn't like- work. <laughs> so, yes, science. I, oh, man. But it's I, an I, awesome, like, watching that ant roam around, and I love that it became, like, the family pet, and I thought that was all adorable and funny, and I loved it, but no, you can't do that. Uh, no pet. No ants. No giant ants. They their Their legs can't hold their body weight because it doesn't work. Science. Anyway, those are my two complaints about the movie. They're relatively minor. Makes you wonder, like, whether we're going to see a giant man at some point in the, fu- in the future because Ant-Man is, you know, Pank Pym also becomes giant, like, at some yeah. point. Well, there's, there's more science behind that is specifically insects with their exoskeletons that it, uh, the physics behind that doesn't work for when you make them giant. That's why insects are small. That's right, why you don't see gi- giant insects. But if it were a giant ant, like, wouldn't the mo- the space between the atoms, like, still be normal? Like, what it would be, like, normally? What it would be for the rest of the world? Whereas this is not, like, a normal giant-sized ant. This is an ant where it's, like, the same amount of mass. But actually, yeah, believe it or not, like, that ant, even though it's giant-looking, because all that's happening is the atoms are further apart, it doesn't increase in mass. So it wouldn't fall apart in its own weight because it weighed the same. But the amount... Go look up the science. Trust well, me on this. No, the, I mean, but I'm saying, like, based on the science that they presented, like, I understand that if the ant were more massive, it would collapse. But this isn't a more massive I, ant. I see what you're saying, Jack. And it's sort of like the one of the, in, or not enduring mysteries, but one of the elements of Attack on Titan that makes the Titans so weird is that they are remarkably light for creatures their size. And... There is a reason for that that I won't go into because I do know spoilers, but it's sort of the same thing. I, without knowing more of how that would change the physics, who knows? But the physics, it's based on mass, right? Like the ant, the giant ant weighs more and the the body can't put weight. It's not just mass. It's the, the, how insect, not just ants, but insect bodies in general, how they're built and how those kind of um, exoskeletons work as far as being able to hold up um, objects and it, it, I, I see what I was saying. It's sort of like when you when you have like like you can have something that is that is made out of a like a two by four, but then you stretch out that two by four by four where it's the where it's basically the the consistency of balsa wood. All of a sudden, it's a lot less strong yeah. just because it's it's spread out more. Mm. Yeah, if you're going to lose mass, you're also going to lose strength. And I think proportionally but that's... But they're not really so, losing mass. It's the same amount of mass. It's just... But yeah, if you're... It's basically the atoms is more. So you like know what? Ant-Man, Science is when he shrinks... Awesome. And this is the nerdiest conversation I've been in for some time. But conversely, when Ant-Man shrinks, he's the same mass. It's just that the space between these atoms has been reduced significantly. That's why he's able to maintain his Ant-Man strength, right? Hey, I've got a response, guys. And I think it's a really good one. Okay. Shut up, nerd. <laughs> I know. I know. Hey, listen, I preface this with I, I, it doesn't ruin the movie for me, sure. but I did. I have that moment. But oh, fair it, enough. Was a, it was a ton of fun. And after I'm. I don't know if I would see it again. I don't know if I'm that into 
that movie in general, but it was a lot of fun. And for me, the best parts of those mo- that movie were the bits and pieces leading to other Marvel movies. It's Falcon. It's the scenes we got at the end with um, Wasp and Captain America and and Bucky. It's um, all the tie-ins. It's it's what this movie does for future Marvel movies. I am more excited of. But Michael Douglas is awesome. And on that note, thanks for listening to another great spoiler cast. Yeah, this one went a bit long, but I, I think it's really good. Guys, thank you so much. And we will definitely do this again for something else. For something. Yeah. All right. I'll see you all later. Bye. 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 Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.